Hello, I'm Carrie Gard, and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Welcome back to season nine. Hope you're enjoying the season so far. As a reminder, we drop our full season of episodes, Netflix style, so you can binge or jump around either way. No need to wait next week or week after week. You enjoy listening your way. On this episode, I chat with Chris Ott, CEO of Creative Blue. Chris and I were introduced through mutual connections. He first met my business partner, Mike Cross, and then Mike had the genius idea to see if Chris wanted to join us on Tea Time. And so here we are. Chris and I dig into brand marketing, especially as it relates to startups who are looking for funding so his company can help them get the funding and then scale. Chris is a big believer in story and has a very direct approach on how brand can tell their story. Let's take a listen. Hello, Chris. Thank you for joining me on Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Hi, Carrie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me today. I'm so excited to have you. I'm really excited for our conversation. I think it's going to be, it's just going to be a lively one. Before we get into it, though, I always like to start with this question of people getting to know you, because we're all people here and where we come from is so important. And our conversation around storytelling is going to enhance the importance of my question. So the first question is, what is your story, Chris? What do you do and and how did you get there? Yeah, that's great. Thanks. I, I totally agree with you. We're all people and we all have a story to share, right? So uh, my background, it's interesting. I was a competitive athlete. I was a cyclist, uh, competed at uh, really high levels in the sport of cycling. I've uh, been representing Team USA for the world championships for about five times and uh, been on the podium at the national championships and state championship level. Um, And that's been a big part of my life. And I think it's given me a competitive nature that uh, everything I do, I strive for excellence and I try to get the best out of myself. Um, And not just for the result, but just uh, for the performance sake of uh, achieving something and, and that that never-ending goal of trying to improve uh, and improve on what you do. Um, that led me to a life of uh, uh, being in marketing and media. I, I was fascinated with that aspect of it. Um, so I was uh, the vice president for a company that uh, pioneered sports broadcasting because it was a natural fit for what I did. Um, and I enjoyed that because we were able to create new interactive experiences for sports and how you uh, how you watch them and be part of them, uh, which forever changed the way that things like Wimbledon or IndyCar and, and different sports are consumed. Um, that actually led me to this real fascination with, ironically, storytelling. Um, and I was recruited by a large agency that focused on uh, CEO or event main stage keynotes for companies. And, and I really enjoyed that. I saw a whole different side of being able to tell stories uh, and reach audiences in a very unique way. Um, what that did is it, it inspired me to understand 
how that translates beyond just the event, because we ironically had a lot of uh, clients and CEOs that would work with us to help tell their story, both uh, from a narrative perspective as well as visually uh, to an audience at these big events. But then it would really end there and, and trying to figure out how to extend that and those touch points for a company beyond just an event uh, for their entire footprint. And so with that, I started Creative Blue in 2015. And the whole, um, the whole mission or vision for Creative Blue is to help companies or organizations tell their stories and share their ideas in a meaningful, concise way uh, that's effective for the audience to understand um, and compelling, but also has a strategy around it. So has a purpose in terms of, are we trying to educate somebody? Are we trying to uh, sell an idea or convince or change minds, uh, change a way of thinking? And so there's always a purpose around a story, not just a story for uh, entertainment purposes, but for a reason and striving towards a goal. So at Creative Blue, we started out with some fantastic Fortune 100 clients and have been growing every year. And along the way, uh, really started to work with some early phase companies, helping them with not only getting funding from VCs with their investor pitch and how to tell their story, but helping them to grow and scale. And ironically, that's the point in time when early phase companies need the most help with storytelling because of the fact that telling what they do in a concise way so that their audience understands both from an investor perspective, from a consumer or customer perspective uh, is really important. And, and companies struggle with that because they get into the weeds with what they do and they don't necessarily think about the bigger picture or vision and that's really what creative blue focuses on and and i love what i do i mean it's uh it's, it's a it's really fun and challenging and rewarding to see all the kinds of technology that are out there and this world just what it's going to look like say three years from now or five years from now with AI technology for early detection of breast cancer to um, crops that have uh, seed technology that uh, uh, can make uh, plants and food healthier and more resistant to weather without having to use harmful pesticides. And the list goes on and on. I mean, it's just really fun being part of the innovation for these things to talk about autonomous flight and all these Gosh. things that are going to be almost Jetson's world, right? So that's what sure. we do. That's my story. <laughs> I I keep thinking, are my kids going to have to know how to drive? I know, right? Well, the technology, I mean, I look at when I was young, you wanted a driver's license for freedom. And now my daughter, who is turning 18, she'd rather take an Uber, you know? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think it's important for people to know where you are in the world, given all this, uh, given everything you just shared. So can you share with us where where you are? Yeah, uh, Creative Blue, we're located in California in the Bay Area. Our offices are at Santana Row, which is a, a beautiful complex. Uh, you know, we, we have awesome dining and <laughs> great Oh, places. man, Chris, I like just missed you. I was oh, really? in San Jose in 2014. We moved out <laughs> and I was right down the street from Santana Row and the best uh, burgers in the world, the counter. Right? Oh, yeah, I, I, dream, I go there frequently. Dream about the counter. So good. Um, which explains a lot in terms of, of Creative Blue and what you do and where you are 
And while you're talking about VC funding, I think I just wanted to sort of pull that string through for everybody of the yeah. fact that you're you're in like the perfect place, right in the valley. This is the heart, Silicon Valley, with all the VCs and you know where a lot of technology was really born, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the energy. I just remember the energy was just mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so good. Let's talk about challenges. What you know before we get into this, the heart of our conversation around storytelling, which clearly you and I could talk about all day long. Right. Um, but in terms of challenges and where we are right now in the world and everything that's going on. What's one challenge you're currently facing? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I think that we're, we're in an unprecedented time, certainly with COVID and the adjustment, uh, social distancing and, and all of those types of things. I mean, everybody's been through it and you can see some of the devastation. I mean, specifically, you look at industries like the restaurant industry it has been hit very hard over the past uh, 16 months, 14 months. And um, it's interesting because in my business, we uh, we do a lot of uh, in-person meetings with clients to do brainstorm sessions and, and those types of things. Uh, but we've had to adjust to a much more, well, almost completely remote environment because of the fact that uh, when, when the lockdown happened and social distancing happened and so forth, uh, all of these companies really went on lockdown. And so um, I think that's been an, an adjustment and uh, to your point, a, a, a challenge that we've faced. Uh, but I feel that we've been in a very unique situation because we've been able to adjust fairly quickly to that. Um, and then when the companies start coming out of the COVID, they, they, they realize that they have to do business. I mean, they still have to do business and do their things. Um, so we've been able to adjust to that pretty well, but it does create some challenges. I mean, certainly in a creative agency, there's there's a lot of value in being able to just get together and have that chemistry of brainstorming and just get the creative juices flowing and, and so forth. So I think the biggest challenge that we've faced really is just how do we maintain that energy and that collaboration and that side of things in an environment where you're remote so you're not sitting next to each other and uh, certainly as we come out of this i think it's going to get easier we'll start to have dinners at santana row once a week and <laughs> those types of things right uh, but we've gotten used to zoom and other platforms to be able to collaborate easier so that that's probably been the biggest challenge how have you kept, you said that it's gotten easier. In what way have you kept that energy flowing even remotely? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, tools tools like Slack and other chat tools uh, to make the, the dynamic environment uh, possible from a technology perspective have been incredibly helpful. Um, and just understanding that, uh, you know, we need to be uh, very mindful of time because it, it, it one of the other pieces of this is companies they get meeting fatigue I'll call it meeting fatigue where they they have zoom meetings back to back to back all day long and people find themselves sitting at a chair all day and so uh, that's one of the things I think that we've been pretty good about is is blocking off certain times during the day for everybody where they can just you know okay we're not going to schedule during this time and and we're going to be able to take a little bit of a break um it's easier said than done to tell you the truth and i i find myself sometimes you know yes. mode of working absolutely i looked at my monday and i was like oh goodness i am yeah i am that... going i am going <laughs> um but i do like that idea of blocking off time especially for the people who are 
who have to do that big thinking and are in the weeds of like the execution we're trying to figure out right now. Um, My managing director actually just put together sort of like a meeting manifesto on how we need to move forward with blocking off times where people aren't in meetings and keeping Mondays and Fridays like client free and, and so on and so, and then show how we show up to meetings in terms of, you know, making the most productive places we can to get people in and out as quickly as possible. So yes, yes to it. We had to figure that, right. Like even we've been remote for 10 years and because the rest of the world has gone remote, our clients, I find need a bit more, even though they've always worked with us remote now that they're remote, I think they're feeling this need for much more interaction right so our meetings have definitely picked up and so trying to figure out okay how can we still support our clients and get them what they need but also create some structure to increase productivity of those meetings and uh help our people just have some heads down time yeah and i don't know if, if you've noticed this but i've certainly noticed it on the client side that uh that they end up inviting a lot of people. I, d- I don't know why necessarily. I mean, I, I mean, maybe I do know why, but but they end up inviting like everybody. And so I can only imagine the fatigue on their side. It's like, oh, another meeting. <laughs> I totally and, agree. It does feel like a yeah. lot of people. I, I think it is just right. that like need for connectivity of like, I don't want right? to repeat. Yeah. I don't want another meeting yeah. to repeat what happened in this meeting. So you're all just coming along. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And I, I think that the, the interesting thing is, on the creative side, as a creative agency, typically that's, I, I like to think that that's one of the funnest things that, that clients do during the day. You know, it's like the mm-hmm. creative side where they get to think and kind of brainstorm and be thinking about uh, how they're executing upon their initiatives as opposed to the financial planning and all the other things that go on in their daily lives. Um, but uh, I think that we are as much uh, I don't want to say entertainers, but the experience and working together and collaborating with clients is so important to not only the chemistry, but just um, avoiding the fatigue of those meetings, because we know that clients are just in those meetings back to back all day. And so if we can make it a little more entertaining or a little more enjoyable in that experience, just uh, something that's enjoyable, then I think it makes it for better value. Oh, I think that's such a good point. We always strive to have that initial sort of, I mean, I think we all do this. At least I think, at least most of the meetings that I've been in, you know, we don't just launch right into the agenda. Like, okay, go time. Yeah. It's like, how are you? How's it going? Yeah. What's new? Oh, I heard this happened. How's it going? Like just having that rapport of taking a minute to just say hi, I think <laughs> even goes just such a long way. It sounds, I mean, it sounds like so basic, but you forget because uh, these people, they, they get into these meetings. And so you're absolutely right. Just having some sort of personal connection and, and sharing a funny story or sharing something that was a funny thing that you did, uh, you, you know, because they're missing out on all that water cooler conversation or those jokes that they get in the office. And it's, so it's a different social vibe right now. It really is. It really is. Well, let's talk about switch gears. And let's talk about storytelling. And I think it's interesting. I want to create the, our listeners are both in that growth stage. Like we talked about, and we'll define that in a second. And they are in the, in the enterprise stage as well. And so I just want to define where, cause you mentioned both of these and working on both sides 
in terms of enterprise, it sounds like story still fits in, but not as from scratch. Yeah, I think, well, if we think about it, like if we think about a Fortune 100 company, if we think about an Apple or a Tesla or a Google or somebody like that, um, their story is pretty well developed. I mean, an agency like ours isn't going to come in and change the story dramatically. We're going to make incremental differences and we're going to help them with specific campaigns, whether it's helping a company you know, define their sustainability vision or, or something like that. I think that we're very effective on helping to do that within the confines of a campaign and add tremendous value. But the thing that excites me, quite honestly, is working with earlier phase companies or even earlier initiatives within a large company that we can make a tremendous impact. And, um, and I'll tell you, if, if it's talking about a manufacturing automated workflow company that's utilizing AI technology to improve throughput or something like that, where they struggle with how to define it and how to tell it so that people can understand. If we can do that effectively, not only can we help them get funding, but we can help them get new customers. We can help that that company grow and become something and be the next billion dollar company. And, and that's really exciting. And even more than the value that that creates for the company on a personal level, as I mentioned, it's, it's inspiring to me to see some of this technology come out that can make a huge difference on humankind. I mean, just the way that we live and uh, how we can benefit from it. So uh, really enjoy that. And I think that we can make a big difference in that space. And that's why we do what we do. And it sounds so dry when you just explain the mechanics of it, right? <laughs> like, I don't even really totally understand what that company that you just mentioned does. Right. And so yeah, I that- imagine the magic is, come, you know, almost helping the company step out of their, their selves and into the client shoes, potential client shoes, customer who's never heard of them before, and simplify that language in a really powerful way where it does become value-based where it's not about the brand it's not necessarily about what the product is or necessarily does fundamentally but what it can do and that's the value right it brings yeah you hit the nail right on the head i mean it's uh, you know most of the time these companies just because and and it's no fault of their own it's it's just they're uh engineering based or innovation type technology people that have created this incredible opportunity of technology but how they think of it and uh, how they articulate it is really on the features and the functionality and uh, the technical details and what it needs and where we're filling the need is on the area of okay let's talk about the impact let's not talk about the technical details of what you provide let's talk about what that technology is going to be utilized for how it's going to be leveraged and what it's going to do for the world so we like to look at it by saying something like imagine a world where uh, you're able to produce 
eight times as many widgets within the same amount of time, reducing the amount of people necessary, the logistics and so forth, so that consumers can get a product within within hours instead of weeks. And you know, really focusing on, on what the impact of their technology is, and that's how we build a story. The story should be, you know, we, we look at three buckets. A story should always be concise, so it should really be tight in terms of telling what the product or service or company or whatever it is, telling what it does uh, in a way that is easy to understand. Uh, number two, it should be unique. It should talk about something that's very unique to that specific organization that nobody else can say. I mean, because and everybody says we're the most innovative, right? <laughs> okay, well, what does that mean? Everybody says that. So what does being the most innovative say? So let's demonstrate that. Let's let's talk about tangible examples or things that that clearly describe how innovative you are without anybody being able to copy that. So bring out that uniqueness. And then the third element to strategic storytelling is uh, it should be effective. It should accomplish a result. It should do something, drive uh, the audience, whoever's hearing the story towards an actionable uh, position so that they can act upon it. So that's that's how we think of uh, developing a story. Yes, I love this. And it's it's actually what we're, we're working on as MKG right now. We're restructuring our whole website and we're coming up with these things. And I can right. talk about that all day. But for our companies and our brands, I feel like, I feel like all three of these are maybe not the last one. I feel like the last one is pretty, can be pretty straightforward, especially if it's something they can sign up for online, whether that's for a demo or a trial or a white paper, or we're actually calling a salesperson if it's B2B or if it's e-commerce actually going off and buying the thing. Um, but in terms of the first two, I can see how brands would really struggle. I know that I struggle with it. So I can see, you know, especially more complex brands than a digital marketing agency, I can see how they would really struggle with with these things. So in terms of concise, when you're talking to a brand that's as technical as the one you just described, I mean, how do you boil that down? Is it, is it as simple as just talking about that end value or do you do you try and explain, you know, what they are and what they do and 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 then the value do you try and string those things together i mean concise for a tech brand just sounds yeah hard. right yeah it sounds arduous right <laughs> but the reality is uh carrie it it's really dependent upon the audience that they're talking to mm -hmm. uh, because certain audience audience profiles will want different things or looking for different things their motivations are different whether it like a, an investor is looking for okay is this a scalable opportunity is this something that addresses a specific market and solves a specific challenge or problem um, and can they execute upon that uh, so those are the things that an investor looks for but in other audiences like in uh, let's say b2b or something like that uh, they're looking at how that's going to impact their business and make their their revenue uh, or profitability and improve or their efficiency or any number of things. And so the way that we go about it in terms of hitting that concise piece is we think about it from the standpoint of it should it should remove and I, I love the way you said it. It's like how do you remove the jargon? How do you remove the the words that everybody puts into a, a narrative just to have words in there and that's what we try to avoid. We try to get a story that's really tight so that if I'm 
sharing this with my mother who's in her 70s, she could understand what I'm talking about, you know, and, and yeah. that's kind of the litmus. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it, especially as marketers, we really love our jargon, like, yeah, a lot. <laughs> I know acronyms. A lot. Oh, Do we yeah. love our acronyms? <laughs> so, uh, so helping brands break out of that, I think is so important and simplifying it. And, and I think sometimes when you simplify it, it's like, aha, but also like, is it too simple? It's like, no, you just want to hook them. That's right. Yeah. You'll come I, I explain think, it yeah. later. You just right. need yeah. to catch their attention. You can unpack. I, I look at it as we first have to get permission from our audience to be interested enough to want to know more. And so that's really what you're trying to do. And if we get that permission, and that's through the interest, like you said, that's the hook, it's the interest. If we can get that and capture that, then we can unpack the details and talk more. I mean, we can go into the nth degree of details if we want to explain things. And if they're an engineering mind and they want to know what's under the hood, hey, great, we'll share that with you. But the the whole point is to get to a to a level where we're sharing what we call the big idea to a point that that really gets across to them and, the, and it really is the the carrot that, that, that they're understanding they want to know more i think that's really important because i feel like a lot of time we feel like we need to throw everything at the audience immediately because so true <laughs> you know but you just need to look for those yet like every time somebody clicks you're basically looking for that's basically a yes it's like sitting in a sales call and asking a series of questions and at the end of each right. question you're getting closer to that yes so you gotta think about clicks that way too like for every click it's a yes and then the next click is a yes and if you have fall off then you go you test and you figure out why but you're not looking for an immediate see it like it buy it you're right looking to bring them on this journey which is really what storytelling does that's right. Yeah, I, I love the way you said that because it's it's like anything. I mean, human nature, you're going to uh, first have all these touch points or exposure points, impressions, right, of mm -hmm. uh, either a product or a thing or a brand or whatever it is. And it starts getting into your mind as a human. And the human nature is if you're attracted to it, if, if you're interested in that product, service or whatever, then you start exploring and you want to go deeper and understand. But you have to have that first piece that describes at least on a very high level what it is. And we like to, you know, we, we take different strategies each time dependent upon the, the client and the product or the service um, as the what we'll call the, the entry point of, uh, you know, we can talk about imagine a world where or something like that. Um, or get into a different analogy where we're describing something and relating it to it uh, using metaphors and things like that. Um, but either way, it gets it gets to a point where the audience, it's very easy to understand, very easy to uh, to connect with. And just on a visceral level, it's like they get it. It's an aha moment. OK, that's that's it. And you'd be surprised how many companies struggle with trying to find that that message. I mean, that's that's why we're in demand. That's why we do what we do. And um, I love it. I mean, it's really fun. <laughs> You're so excited. I love this. Um, <laughs> and I could talk about concise all day long because I think that's just so, it, it's so difficult to do, which mm -hmm. is why you hire people too for you. Um, <laughs> But let's talk about unique because I also think this is really tricky, especially when you're in a really competitive field. It sounds like a lot of the brands you particularly work with, Chris, they're on the cutting edge 
of what they do. And you talk a lot about in terms of imagine the world you could live in based off of this thing that these people do. So thank you know, because you're in the Valley, I think you're in a really unique position sure. to be telling those very unique stories. So it sounds like these brands and their unique aspects are maybe a little easier to find. Um, you know, it, yes and no. I think, I think in some cases it's, it's, uh, it is easy to find the, the reality of it, but I think that what happens is that there's a lot of noise in the marketplace because uh, I mean, you know, this as a marketer, how many times have you heard the term AI, right? We have yeah. AI technology, right? Okay. Well, everybody has AI technology. <laughs> How's right. that differentiated? How is that unique from anybody? And, and people lean into, uh, using those jargon words just to use them to catch, Oh, we're an AI company. Well, what do you do? That's actually AI, you know? And, and so, um, I think that some of the challenges is less about telling the unique piece that our client does, but more about cutting through the noise to differentiate between what everybody else is saying that they actually don't do, you know? And so uh, that's kind of a, a, a interesting perspective or interesting challenge that we have to face in that world. And then the other piece of it, I would say, is that we do still work with companies that uh, that are in very crowded or competitive spaces where they're not the only competitor. And um, so being able to find the thing that really differentiates them and makes them unique, um, it, it, it takes some it takes some real good strategy, creative strategy to find those nuggets um, and we're able to do it with these companies because they they typically know i mean they typically know but they they probably don't know how to articulate it mm -hmm. and it can be things like like hey we've hired the most diverse team of experts across uh you know whether it's for example we've got a client that's in autonomous flight and um you know they've got people from the military from flight from uh you know underwater uh, sonar so cool. technology i mean it, it's just crazy the diversity that they've accumulated throughout uh, the the team that they've assembled that no other company in the world has done that. Everybody is focused on the engineering and solving the technical problem without solving the execution problem. And so we can lean into that and say, okay, well, that's that's what makes us unique. And and so I think it's finding those things. Um, so, you know, your question I think is really, how do you do that with a company that is in a very competitive space where there's a lot of lot of noise out there? I think there's always a way to find that uniqueness. and the more you do it, the better you get at it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like in some cases it comes back to a brand's why. Like, That's right. Why did you start this company? That's clearly, exactly it. Clearly you felt there was a need for it. So what was that need? Yeah. Right? Well, and even, even not even just the need, but, but what, what's being, uh, what's being delivered if you're in a space that there's already people and you say, oh, that's great. I can, uh, there's there's money to be made or an opportunity in this space. There's a need there uh, because there's a Starbucks here, a Pete's Coffee here and all right. these other things. Uh, and I wanna make a coffee shop. Well, how am I gonna do it different? You know, so so the need within a need, if you will, like yeah. what's 
going to be what's going to be unique and different about what are you going to offer that's going to be different is it going to be on the service is it going to be on the the flavor is it going to be on where is it going to be what's your secret sauce and that's that's how we refer to it what is your secret sauce or your unfair advantage that's kind of how we phrase it i like that yeah I always like this, the coffee example, because it's clear between like a Starbucks and a Dunkin' Donuts, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> for Starbucks, you're paying for that, that sit down environment sort of feel and that community and that culture that Starbucks sort of brings along with their fancy coffee, where Dunkin' Donuts is, you know, that coffee on the go. Like it's just that clear, like distinction between the two. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, you hit it. Um, and for us, you know, I go back to us, you know, cause I, you know, we're in a very crowded space of digital. I mean, you're in the same boat too, in terms of creative and digital marketing and where our differentiators are. And I think for us, it's that measurable, not necessarily the, the measurable media of it. I mean, that's why, but that's why we started right. Of like, but we want to make sure that we're hitting your bottom line and it's not just those lovely impressions. And it's what you're talking about in terms of that effective results driven piece too. That you yes. tie that to story. Like. Yes, I think that's, that's right. so important. Yeah, marrying those two is the magic, I think. I think yeah. getting that really uh, tuned story that, that just can drive your your messaging and, and really that, that can go across all platforms and then having, uh, having an agency like yours where you're able to then put that to practical execution and deliver upon the tangible results of uh you know clear metrics uh, i think that's that's the marriage of uh of, of how marketing should be i mean that's <laughs> yeah i mean it's no longer this notion of if you build it they will come right unless your seo is really solid <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's i think that's the that's the utopian dream that everybody just thinks that if we build it they will come and that it's not like that anymore <laughs> it's really it's really not and I think too, the audience has really changed where it, it was a very linear and talking, I'm having a lot of conversations around this. It, it used to be very linear, right? Where you put a lead magnet out there and, you know, some clear messaging and somebody would see an ad and click on it and come to your website and download the asset. And there you go. You have their email address. And it's not, I mean, are you finding this? I, it's not that anymore. It feels very much like you do need to figure out how to surround your audience through multimedia yes. and then let them come. There is sort of this idea that there is sort of this notion of not necessarily if you build it, they will come, but that they, but that if you surround your audience in the right way with the right messaging and you are present and capture their attention at some point that they will come to you, but they have to make the decision to come to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's face it, the, the, the entire landscape and how how people interact with content and how people are or what they're being exposed to and just how they operate with uh, with iPads and their their phone and all the devices that are uh, that are engaged with these days. I mean, there's a reason why Google and Facebook, uh, you know, are multi-billion dollar companies, and it's because they've perfected the the understanding of 
not only just how to reach somebody in the right demographic and interests and and focus and that sort of thing, but it's also all about timing too and understanding the moment in time when somebody is interested in making that purchase decision. So uh, technology that drives uh, predictability around that. And so I think that that's important when we think about uh, whether it's advertising or uh, or capturing uh, customers is understanding that the message has to be very on point, but all the other pieces of that, um, to your point, it's not a linear process where somebody just sees a billboard and then, oh, great, I'm going to go buy that pack of cigarettes or whatever. It's, I mean, that, that, that world is gone. It's, it's more about, um, am I meeting a need that's very specific to you and personalized, am I meeting that need at the right moment in time when you're thinking of actually acting on it? Um, and I think that that's where the magic comes is being able to have a, a great story, a great message, um, and then being able to, uh, just like what you guys do, is be able to target very clearly and then deliver those in a timely manner. So uh, I think that's the magic. I totally agree. and. Yeah, and and that multimedia piece is so key. So let's 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 finish on that note there, Chris. In terms of the multimedia piece, we talked a lot about messaging and finding your your story, and then there's definitely the digital advertising piece of that. But in terms of what you do, how do you deliver that story? Is that website video? Just talk me through what you offer there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know we we have really approached this holistically and look at as I mentioned before, the footprint. And so uh, our services uh, include certainly presentations. So all the presentations for early phase uh, companies, whether it's delivering them at keynote events and those types of things, it's just a logical platform for telling a story uh, when you're doing partnership presentations and other types of things. Um, but also on the websites, that's still an important piece, certainly in the early phase companies when people are doing research, when they're searching up your company to see what you do and how you do it and trying to find all those pieces. Uh, video is a tremendous platform for telling stories. It gives uh, a great marriage of the visual aspect uh, that that prompts uh, along with the narrative and the soundtrack, the voice track and all of that. So, so video is always going to be a component of those things. So those are really the primary uh, platforms, but uh, we do all kinds of other types of things too, whether it's even applications or anything. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Chris, and for sharing your, your story. Um, I just texted my dad. I was, cause he's a, he's a, uh, cyclist as well, not to your degree, but he, it's just something he's done his whole life. So I was like, have you heard of oh, this lot? So I'm waiting to hear back from him and I'm going to definitely have him listen to the story. Cause I think he would just be like, ah, like, oh, so that's cool. awesome. I'll tell your uh, dad. Hello. <laughs> I will. I will. Um, so thank you for sharing your story with us and sharing with us what you and your company do in terms of storytelling and how to help, you know, those, uh, early stage brands bring their story to life before we close out. I have my three people first questions that I just a good reminder once again that we are all humans and people before we are creatives and business owners and marketers. So you ready, Chris? I think I'm ready. Shoot. All right, let's do it. First question for you. What are there any new hobbies that you have picked up in the last year or something you've really wanted to do and been able to really dig into? 
You know, it's interesting because obviously as a cyclist, I ride miles and miles on the bike. Um, through COVID, I was, uh, I was able to pick up running and I've been running a lot and uh, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. It just gives me a, a little bit of a break and uh, mentally and physically, and it's pretty economical. I can go for a 45 minute run and get a good workout. And yeah, so I'd say running is probably a hobby that I've taken up over the past probably 14 months or so. Awesome. Uh, second question for you. If you were at the office with your team, which we're headed in that direction, it's so exciting. So when yeah. it gets back to Santana row and you're hanging out with everybody on the floor and everybody's brainstorming and, and you know, what vibe in terms of setting the vibe, what song would you want playing on the speakers? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. It's so funny, right? Uh, so I would say, you know, I love inspirational type music. I'm, I'm a big fan of things like that to just get you pumped up and get you going. Uh, I always love that song from Imagine Dragons, uh, Thunder. I, yes. I love that song. It just, I don't know. There's something about that song that just gets you going. So I, uh, I would say that. <laughs> Well, I will add it to our Spotify so everybody else can rock. Awesome. It. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah. They can rock to it, get all motivated. Absolutely. My son loves that song. Loves it. <laughs> uh, last question for you, Chris, is if you could travel to anywhere in the world right now, which we're on, we're, on, we're so close, where would you go and why? You know, it's interesting. I'd probably, I, I love Italy. I, I was there a few years ago for the world championships and uh, I'd love to go back to Italy, Lake Como. That's a, such a peaceful place it's just super cool so i think that's that's where i want to that's where i want to go this next summer i'm writing it down because uh now that i live in the uk <laughs> it's like right there. Yeah, <laughs> there oh my gosh chris thank you so much for joining me i i appreciate you and your time yeah carrie absolute pleasure thank you for having me and uh anytime love to connect conversation with Chris. If you are in a growth stage and in search of branding support, you can find Chris on LinkedIn. Links are in the show notes as always, along with our Spotify playlist where you could rock out to thunder by Imagine Dragons. In this next episode, I chat with Gene Hopkins, where we discuss the importance of marketing to existing customers and how to ensure you're doing that. And well, Thanks again for listening to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders, the podcast that helps you get found via transparent, measurable digital marketing. I'm your host, Carrie Gard, and until next time. This episode is brought to you by MKG Marketing, our digital marketing ad agency of agile experts who specialize in SEO, digital advertising, and analytics. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG. Music, mix, and mastering done by Austin Ellis. And if you'd like to be a guest, please visit mkgmarketinginc.com to apply.